Have you ever been thrown under the bus by a colleague? This week, we want to talk about what happens when clients and veterinarians talk bad about each other. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And a tough topic is the topic of talking about each other. What happens when you find out that a colleague is talking smack about you behind your back? And what about that client who comes into the exam room talking down on their last vet? This week, we want to talk about all of those scenarios and what you should do. But before we start doing all of that, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, this is one of those topics that, again, we've tiptoed around in many, many podcasts over the past six and a half years, but it's a real-life dilemma that we often face. And, and I think both of us will share with the viewfinders today some of the, our real-world experiences with this. But at, at it's really at the foundation, what we want to talk to you guys about today is what happens when a veterinarian throws another colleague under the bus or when a client comes into your exam room, a new client, and they're talking bad about their old vet. So Becky, you know, Kind of frame it from your perspective as a veterinary professional, and then I'll, I'll kind of bring it back to, to vets on vets. Yeah, so it's first of all, what I was thinking about when you were saying just a second ago about how we've touched on this subject over the last six years, one thing I have found really interesting is I think we're getting to a point where we're revisiting some topics because over six years, the way we handle them is a little differently. Right. Yeah. And this is one of them. You know, I think about how we used to handle social media um, and bad reviews and things like that. And it's real different than now where people kind of go back and there's more backlash and back and forth. And then, it, I don't know, it's crazy. So I think this yeah. is one of those areas where, you know, we used to just kind of ignore things. And I think we're a little bit more likely to... confront, and I mean confront very loosely, someone talking about another veterinarian or another veterinarian talking about us. And I think there's a lot of different ways this manifests in the clinic, whether it is we're in an exam room and the client is talking about a bad experience with another clinic. Oftentimes as a technician, it is one of the several veterinarians in your clinic. So you may have three or four and they want to talk to you about how that one veterinarian X, Y, and Z in your clinic. And then two, because this is such a small world, it easily gets back to us, especially I think about things where we're like code covering emergency shifts and stuff. And all of a sudden you really start to hear what's being said about various vets at various clinics. Yeah, and a scenario that I've encountered more than once in my 30-plus years as a practicing veterinarian is the fact that when you're in a social setting, so now you're at a charity event or a dinner or whatever, right, a party, just a getting together of people in your community, and that's whenever people come up to me and say, oh, yeah, do you know about Dr. Z? <laughs> you know, I mean, wow, he's, he's not so good, is he? And they kind of they kind of feel like you're disarmed because you're in this social setting that you're going to actually talk smack about your colleague, and, you know, I, I think the first thing, viewfinders, is, you know, I would like to discuss a little bit about how you should respond when somebody is trying to solicit sort of you talking badly about a colleague. And I think that, you know, first and foremost, you, I believe you got to uphold our community, right? I mean, we are a small profession, and I don't see how it benefits you other than an ego boost to actually talk bad. So let's say that somebody comes up randomly say, Hey, Dr. Ward. Hey, yeah. How's it going? Blah, blah, blah. Hey, Lisa, man, did you hear about old Joe over there? You know, he really messed up on this dog. I heard my neighbor said he killed his dog or whatever. Right. I mean, I think that you've got to politely 
disengaged from that conversation immediately, Becky, right? I mean, you, you can't engage in it at all. You say, oh, wow, you know, no, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with that case. Uh, you know, medicine is, is very, very complicated, and, and I really hate to hear that, but I, I can't really, you know, comment on that. I, I th- Becky, I mean, you've got to get out of that right away, right? You can't in any way engage. Yeah, well, there's a lot of different ways. I mean, it you sure can. <laughs> it's, it's just it's not great. But you know what I think I tend to do um, when I was listening to you just respond there is, yeah, playing kind of quote-unquote dumb is great. Uh, another one I tend to do is say, make it relatable. And so I'll say something like, oh, my gosh, I've had a case like that as well. I felt so bad. I completely mm, missed that and I bet this veterinarian's feeling really terrible right now and and kind of turn around with empathy um yeah. because it's happened to all of us and and, and I'm not going to pretend it hasn't happened to me or I'm above any of those types of things and so sometimes what I'll do is I'll say oh I didn't hear about that that veterinarian must feel terrible that must have been so scary and it, while it isn't the response that they're looking for there is really no way to come back like a jerk to an empathetic response right and I think too you know it's it's odd to me how sometimes the general public wants to pit us against each other you know and and I used to always say and I still believe this that we're competitors during office hours and colleagues afterward and, and you know so but but Part of being competitive, Becky, is also playing by the rules. And I don't think, you know, it's really fair to accuse the other team of cheating, so to speak, with that metaphor, you know, unless you actually have firm evidence of it. Now, now, in fairness, you know, Becky, I have been involved with veterinarians who have been found guilty of, you know, negligence and malpractice and so forth. Now, that's a slightly different scenario. OK, so, you know, that that's an established fact. The, the medical boards heard it out. So in those cases, you know, I might feel more comfortable saying... Yes, it is unfortunate. You know, I hate when you know I have colleagues who who sort of do that or whatever. But in this situation, this is hearsay. This is just you know gossip. I, again, I'm not a gossiper by by trade, and I don't believe that you should engage in it. So I, I love your your fact there. So again, viewfinders, if you found yourself in a social setting, we'd really like to hear from you because I'd like to hear other people's experiences and how they've handled it. But I know that for me, Becky, this is something that I still encounter, even though I'm now out of clinical practice. This is still something. Something that people come up to me wanting me to weigh in, offer an opinion on something in our area. And a lot of times it's about, uh, I was overcharged. In fact, just this past week, Becky, one of the people that works on my boat, you know, was, was commenting about that. He was, you know, they were always, everybody seems to bring up, is that a fair price? Right. You know? And, and again, I just have this pat answer now that I just sort of go, you know, gosh, you know, I can tell you, you know, inflation has affected every industry. And, and I know I, I read constantly about how much drugs and supplies have gone up in the veterinary realm. So it, it's really not surprising to me that, that it costs that much these days. I mean, Becky, do you, do you get those kind of uh, complaints as well? Yeah, I, well, I think cost is the thing I hear first and foremost about, right. and it's it's in all capacities, and and so frequently people will say, oh, you you know, let me ask you, does this sound fair for a dental cleaning? Does this sound right, fair right. for a spay neuter? And and like I get that because I don't know what's fair for a lot of things I have to pay for either, and it and it is nice to kind of bounce that off an expert. Um, and then kind of explain, but again, I think intentional question asking is great here. Like, well, what do you feel like would be a reasonable cost for that? And then 
people will sometimes sort of say like, oh, well, I really have no idea. And it kind of reminds them that they really have no idea, you know, what that would even cost. But this X amount of dollars feels like too much. And then sometimes we can take a moment to to remind them to ask questions as far as, um, you know, that sounds like a a reasonable about to me, um, or that sounds a little more than I have heard in the past. But what I would do is ask what all is included in that. Oftentimes clinics are including um, after medical medications, pain medications, antibiotics, and and safety procedures, some are, are are not. And so kind of guide them into asking questions about it without my opinion, but letting them know things that I would want to know to decide if that was fair, if it happens to be something that does sound a little off to me, right? Because I don't want to necessarily say, yep, that sounds good no matter what. You do kind of want to be helpful and guide people, but without being negative or unkind to others. Yeah, well, let me twist it slightly. And and so this is a scenario I think where a lot of, uh, of our colleagues are confronted with, and they have a real clear choice on which way to go. They can either literally throw the other clinic under the bus, or they can, you know, sort of take this more neutral, uh, grounded measured approach. And and it goes like this, Becky. Let's say that you are out shopping. I mean, it doesn't matter. You're just out somewhere in the public and someone comes up to you and they say, hey, you know, I go to... Um you know, Dr. Smith, and let's say that you work in a clinic that is in that area. Okay. So you're competitors and, and they say, Hey, you know, listen, I, I feel like, uh, you know, maybe I got ripped off on this dental, you know I mean? We paid like $550 for it. I mean, doesn't that sound excessive to you? And Becky, that's the moment that I'm, I'm concerned about, right? Because you in that moment have the choice to go into that and say, Oh yeah, that was a ripoff. We do a better job or, you know, our value is greater or we're cheaper, right? I mean, or you can kind of support the community. Becky, How would you handle that, right? So now you're in a competitive environment. Someone comes up to you in a random setting and they say, hey, I feel like I was ripped off. And you have that opportunity to boost yourself or to kind of uphold the profession. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I guess it's my my same answer because... When you tell me that that's the cost of the dental, like my initial thought is that's pretty reasonable. Um, So... Again, I might ask them questions I'd be interested in, like what all was included with that dental? Were there any extractions? I want to gather more information. And I think that's just how my brain works because I don't right. want to jump to any kind of conclusions one way or another. Um, and then I, I can offer my experience and you can offer your experience neutral of an opinion. So right. you can say, yeah, dentals are one of the most expensive things we do in our clinic as well. I know our average runs anywhere from this to this, depending on how much is involved, for example. And then that way, I'm I'm leaving my opinion out of it. And because here's the thing, I don't have to uphold or bash them. I can just sort of live in the middle and try to be as neutral as I can. And I think in this day and age where none of us are like starving for clients and we don't need a million, like it isn't as competitive. There is room for everyone. We're making a choice to be competitive out of necessity or out of spite. Right. And there's a natural tendency viewfinders because you want to make yourself look good. I mean, that's just human nature and I get it. But I think you have to reserve this, you know, for certain special contexts because again, I think that by brandishing this other vet as a ripoff or you as a better value on, on whatever metric you want to measure, uh, I think that again, we do minimize or risk injuring the entire reputation of the, of the profession. I mean, I, I know that's a bit histrionic, but you know, that's how I feel. No, I guess like to that 
that point, I have worked for veterinarians who are kind of more low cost in other places in town or who do different medicine or, or for clinics who do higher end medicine who say we are more expensive and we know that or whatever it is that intentionally fall one, one place or another. Right. It is okay, I think, to say historically our clinic is a little less expensive than others in town. Um, you can Agreed. recognize that if it's factual. You just Agreed. don't have to be negative and say something like, yeah, they're a total ripoff. Total, so you, exactly. You, you can say something along like that is really excessive compared to market pricing. And I would just want to know more about why they're pricing yeah. at that point and what else is included. So you can give an opinion that something is what it is if it genuinely is that without being opinionated about it or dishonest. So I I don't feel bad saying, yeah, we are more expensive or yeah, we are less expensive or, or vice versa with another clinic um, and follow that up with causation, correlation, questions to ask. Yeah, exactly. And again, the throwing the colleagues under the bus aspect, Becky, to me is just like you said, then, then somehow you know, naming it, say you're a ripoff or that sounds excessive or, oh, we would never do that, right? I think that's where the difference is. That Again, you've got that decision tree right in front of you in that setting and you've got to decide how do you want to approach this. Again, I'm with Becky on this one where we don't really name call and condemn each other. Stating the facts is fine. But, you know, again, going that next level. And I'll, I'll give you another scenario too, Becky, that, that I unfortunately encountered more than once uh, over the years. And it goes like this. A new client is is, uh, uh, they want, I'm sorry, new client. It's a client that wants to come see me. Okay. It's a, it's a new client, a prospective new client. And typically when they're calling to make the appointment, say, Hey, okay, great. If you don't mind, would you mind calling your veterinary clinic for the records? And there over the years, we've tried different tactics, you know, and we found that a lot of times if the client requests the records, we get the records, right? Whereas sometimes when we call, we just get like the rabies vaccine. I don't know if you, have you encountered that Becky when you've been dealing with other clinics? No. If no. you ask for the records, you get the records. That's that's but terrible. What records do you get? I'd love to hear from the viewfinders. I think you get. I think you can get very different quality and quantity and richness of the records. I think sometimes you I've just always get... exceeded entire records. I think the the difference has been um, vaccine history versus in depth like whole life, and it's based on pages because fax machines were the issue back then. But especially now that we can download and attach, um, it's really passive aggressive not to to do that. What I have found though is the the, the time it takes to get them is not so specifically what they send, <laughs> right, but right. when they send it. Okay. Well, and it's a good conversation. I'd love to hear your experiences, viewfinders. But but regardless, let's say, here's the scenario, and it doesn't even matter how it originated. A client calls a vet clinic requesting their records. And, and it does not matter if they're coming to see me, you, or anybody else, right? They're just calling and say, hey, you know, I'd like to get my records. Now, most of us are familiar with that. That's code for I'm leaving you, right? Would you agree with that, Becky? I mean, most of the time when clients are asking for most records. Most of the time, probably yes. And I yeah. think that's why clients don't want to call and they want us to do it. Exactly. But regardless, this does happen, a client does call, and maybe, again, they haven't even decided where they want to go next, but they know they don't want to come back to you, okay? So they're calling up, and this is this is what I have encountered. And so they're calling up the vet clinic, the old vet clinic, or the clinic they want to leave, and they say, hey, you know, listen, I need to get a copy of Buster's records, you know, and they're like, oh my gosh, is everything okay? Um, yeah, yeah, I just, I just need a copy for my own personal use. Okay. And somehow it comes out that maybe you want to go to another vet clinic. And then this is where I found 
at least in my personal experiences, that that receptionist or whoever answers that phone then starts to say things like, you know, oh, well, you know, I mean, we're the cheapest or whatever. Or if they find out that they're coming to see me, they're going, oh, yeah, I heard they're really expensive. Becky, that's another form of throwing a colleague under the bus. You see where I'm going with this? It's like when you're trying to engage or disengage from a clinic, they start to say, oh, the other vet clinic you want to go to? Oh, I've heard bad things. Or, oh, I've heard they're really expensive. Or, oh, they're a ripoff. You, you see where I'm going with this? That's mm-hmm. another area that we can throw the colleagues under the bus. And maybe it seems natural, right? Because we want to keep that client, I'm assuming, in most cases. Uh, and again, you know, so so Becky, how, how do you recommend a, 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 you train your staff, I guess, to avoid that? I, I, I've not experienced bad mouthing over the phone. And I think it's part, when I think about it, I'm like, it's just your in earshot of the office manager and clients. And it probably, um, that one worries me a little bit if, if that's happening. And I'm like, I handle that by getting rid of that person. I got it. But let me spin it into something that you can relate to the emergency clinic experience. So now the, the, the regular vet. So I, I went to take you to my vet clinic and, and Becky, you guys know, has lots of experience and, and you know, she also did quite a, a bit of emergency work. So, I mean, I, my hat's off to her, but so now Becky, it's my client, regular client, and they had to go to the emergency clinic to you and they call up the next day and say, Hey, can you call the emergency clinic? Uh, we had Buster in, you know, last night vomiting all over the place. I don't know what happened. It spent $700 or whatever. Right. And that's another opportunity to throw a colleague under the bus, right? Because now... So I think this is where I hear about it the most is these interchanges between emergency. And I th- yeah. and this one goes both ways really right, right, right. extreme because the client is going to come to your clinic and probably eight out of 10 of them are going to want to talk to you about how much that emergency visit exactly. costs. Exactly, right. And their interaction with the veterinarian is often very different than that with their general practitioner and their sure. their regular veterinarian. Right. And then, and on top of that, they are traumatized, right? Whatever, whatever the reason we're in the emergency clinic, there is some trauma involved for all of us. So that one, we're, that one, we, I hear so much engagement in like, yeah, they're three times as expensive as we are. I don't know why they have to charge so much. I would never do those tests, right? Or whatever. Fully validating it. Yeah. yeah. And I have, I have engaged in that as well in um, corporate practices that would have um, standard testing regardless of symptoms, I guess is how I want to say this, where there are certain tests that would be performed regardless. Um, Or, right, they would do, say, a parvo, a blood test, uh, x-rays, and a full blood panel instead of and a fecal, right? Instead of kind of one or two until we get to the, we know that this is a parvo puppy, right? right? So yeah, we engage in that. And I think it's inherent, like it's empathy because we're like looking at the sticker and having a moment as a pet owner as well as somebody, and and we are detached. We know that it is more expensive. That's the part where I think we really have to practice hard to pump our brakes. And then the other one, like where you were getting to was, I know in the emergency clinic, I've worked there where there are clinics in town that I would I just really want to tell people to avoid and it's really hard right. to have somebody come and say yeah we see so and so at such and such clinic and you kind of want your face to not make the reaction that it does and and be like please don't go there because I've seen so many terrible things happen there and that's a really hard one um and that's where I see the engagement the most is that sort of emergency room to GP interaction 
Yeah, and it goes by, it's bilateral. And Becky, I'm glad you brought up both ends of those because I was going to do that if you didn't get to it. Because, you know, you're right. If you're in an ER setting, you're seeing now the the sequela of maybe not doing these tests or not doing a thorough, you know, examination yeah. or not following up with the proper, you know, uh, care, right? So so suddenly now it's landed in the ER and you guys are going, right. holy Like smokes. I was at my GP earlier today <laughs> and they weren't worried about it. And now here we are in an emergency. Right, right. So yep. it's really easy. Easy and and I would almost say natural to throw that colleague under the bus. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know how they, they missed that. They, I don't know I how they missed. They really should have done that. Thing. Yep. Yeah. So, so you guys can see. And again, I just, Becky, for me, I think the, the reason I wanted to have this conversation with the viewfinders is because I don't think it serves anyone, right? I, I just, I think at the end of the day, unless it's criminal, <laughs> you know, it's really bad. I, I just don't know how the bashing, the throwing the under the bus, the criticizing really helps out, you know, because all you're doing is kind of commiserating with the the client and it's, it's unfortunate. But, you know, as I used to tell, you know, vets in lectures, Becky, I used to say, you know, if you've got a complaint with another veterinarian, either tell them directly or tell the medical board, right? I mean, there's no reason to triangulate through the client. I think that's really an important aspect to, to note. Yeah, but, but yeah, well, yes, there is, yes, hard stop. There's no but. I just know that it does sometimes feel good to be frustrated with the client when we see something <laughs> right. crappy being done <laughs> right. and of to course. validate them and to say, yeah, you spied it right. And that's the hard part, right? That's the part we have to do um, well and we have to do it in the <laughs> right. right place because here's the other thing i want to say and the other part i kind of want to talk about is if we don't do it with our client then our next tendency becomes to go into the back and to huddle up the team and say oh my god did you guys hear practice such and such charged such and such for this right. test and Good did you point. know they totally missed i they, this patient just came in glaringly obvious and they totally missed this so we have a tendency to then go into the back and to spread that amongst ourselves again which is another factor of this to consider right and that's creating a culture right so, so literally if that activity, as Becky described it, is occurring in your clinic, you've got a culture of colleague bashing, if you will, right? I mean, so so for me, I, Becky, I think that's honestly maybe the most important part of this discussion is the fact that how do we actually talk about other vet clinics amongst ourselves? Now, now Becky, I, I want to make one thing kind of clear. Like if a family member contacts me or if a close friend contacts me asking me for like a review of their records and this does happen right in my real life uh th then i am very you know transparent and honest and open right because this is a this is an intimate relationship but we're talking about general public we're talking about you know work colleagues and so forth becky i i think you 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 really hit something there that's important to 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 dig into and that is if we are doing this amongst our colleagues in the back, if we're now bashing another vet clinic or veterinarian or whatever, then, you know, again, Becky, are we not now telling ourselves that this is okay? And then you don't know where it spins out from there. Because if we say it's okay, when you actually condone something in your culture, your practice culture, you don't know that that staff member might feel comfortable going on Snapchat or Instagram or TikTok doing the same thing, right? It's hard to sometimes draw those boundaries. Oh, absolutely. And I think too, well, so first of all, in the emergency clinic, a lot of you, this profession is just so small. It doesn't matter what clinic you're in, where we're going to cross paths with folks and you just need to, to keep it under control and you just need to 
try really hard not to talk bad about anyone outside because I think that, like you said, it creates a culture. And when somebody leaves, they kind of have it in their mind, they bad talk other people and that that's how things go there. And so it is just creating the tone. It is just creating the culture. It is, it is just an opportunity to do better. And like, we just need to keep trying to do better. So, um, I think that's the most important aspect of this is it's just one of those things when people say, how do I change my culture? How do I make these types of changes? This is one of those little things you can do that just changes the tone. Even though you're not internally bashing people, you're creating that mindset of this is how we communicate. This is how we, um, engage. And there's, there's nothing positive about that. The other thing is, is it does fall under gossip whenever we can't change it. And so we just want to move away from having those conversations around anything that we really can't impact has already happened. We can't change. Like you said, if it is so important, then it's a different tone discussion. Hey guys, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. Um, I'm, I'm leaning into you guys for a brainstorm right now. Is this bad enough that we should do something? Is this something that needs to be followed up on? I feel really some kind of way about this situation of what I just heard. Um, Apparently this veterinarian missed this or did this or did the other. And I think it's reportable. A whole other different conversation, a whole other different motivation. If it's that important that you need to talk about it, then you need to be talking about it in a way of, is it actionable? Right. Right. And again, you know, guys, and I'll tell you too, if this ever happens to you, definitely be receptive. And, and I'll tell you this, if, if, if let's say that that client record comes in, you're ER, wherever, general practice, doesn't matter. Some You see something really egregious and really dangerous, right, in the medical record, an omission or an excessive treatment, right, or whatever. And, and you know, you really owe it to that vet to say, hey, you know, look, I was looking, you know, we just, Mrs. Smith came to us for a second opinion. I want to know, let you know, I supported everything that you did, but I was reviewing the records and I did have a couple concerns because I know this could happen to me. And and I think that's part of the other issue here is like Becky said multiple times, this could happen to you. Like errors of omission, I mean, errors in general are, are something that we all can be, you know, it can occur to us. And so I think that it's really important to support that colleague. And if anybody ever, if a veterinarian or colleague is ever has the guts enough to call up and say, hey, you know, I want to let you know, because uh, this could happen to me, that I was a little concerned about this. Maybe there's more to this story. I, I think you need to be receptive and open to that. I think that is asking a lot, but it is, yeah, I know it it is. is the absolute <laughs> minimum that we should be capable of doing. Yeah, um, right. So I really like it because it takes a lot to take feedback. It takes a lot to take criticism. It takes a lot to have brave, courageous conversations and to not come off as though you're criticizing. But it is a full on opportunity to one, demonstrate how we can support and in- grow each other in a non-threatening way. And two, how we can improve ourselves and by being open to those conversations and take that pause and say, I really appreciate you calling and and walking me through what you saw as an outside perspective. I completely missed that. Um, and I, I, I really respect that you 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 I feel will be more likely to respect an individual who can do that but also I think it gives you an opportunity to in the future emulate that behavior behavior and and a real opportunity to make change 
Yeah, and again, it takes incredible strength and discipline, guys, to not lean into the negativity, right? So, I mean, you see this egregious um, omission on the record. It's really, it takes so much strength and fortitude to not lean into it and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Yeah, oh, he should have never done this, or they totally overcharged you on this, or whatever, right? Or even then bringing it back to your staff, like that. There, that is a sign of strength, right? To be able to look at this, internalize it, and say, you know what? Okay, I'm going to learn from it, me personally, right? As a veterinarian or veterinary technician, I'm going to learn from this situation, but I'm not going to exploit it, right? I'm not going to exploit this for my own personal gain or to somehow make me look better to another person. That's an ego fault right there. And and again, that's that's why it requires a lot of restraint and discipline, Becky, to hold back. I mean, you said it early on. It's like you got to hold back on these things. Yeah. I mean, I but I do think it is it is our tendency to scream it from the mountaintops and, right, and it does right. make us feel better. And and it's that's, you know, straighten each other's crowns without telling the world they're crooked. And that yeah. is um the real philosophy I would love to see our profession be able to start to move to toward and to take those moments to celebrate each other, even in mistakes because again we're human and like it's what i we keep saying is like how can we help each other get through being human because i think it's the hardest thing for us as veterinary professionals to be yeah and and the only thing i want to end on becky is the fact that you know there's so much ink spilled as we used to say over the topic of clients bashing vets well, guys, we can't be a part of that, right? So I would say to you, you know, if that bothers you when clients go online and say bad things or say bad things in your clinic about others or in the public or whatever, you know, then just hold yourself to a higher standard, right? Yeah. And try not to do, to do that because, again, I don't like it when people complain about one thing and then do the exact thing. I mean, I know that's hypocrisy, but Becky, it is so much worse than that because we're creating a culture that says, hey, it's okay if we talk smack about our colleagues, but clients no, 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 you know, and I think we really need to understand it's really, it's the same thing. Yeah, Alison Krauss said it best, right? We, when you say nothing at all, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really, truly powerful. Um, and so in those moments when people are, there's nothing more uncomfortable than silence when you're being a jerk and somebody won't, won't go low with you. Um, it is a resounding response to say nothing. And I think that is the, in those cases, sometimes the best thing we can do. And then I just kind of want to remind you to celebrate yourself in the moments where you break pump, do the right thing, have that moment and, and just kind of recognize and reflect on that. It's not our tendency for our brain to live in those moments. So kind of celebrate, like I did a good job. I did not partake in that, even though I really wanted to. Um, and I feel better than if I did. Yeah. When you know better, do better, guys. Listen, we'd really like to hear what you think about this topic. I think this is an important one. It needs to extend far beyond this podcast. So, you know, let us know how you handle a situation in which a client is bashing a, a colleague or you want to turn to your colleagues and say, oh, my gosh, did you hear what just happened? I'd really like to hear from you guys. So, Becky, where can they share some of those thoughts? Yeah. If you listen to anesthesia nerds and you don't like what they're saying and want to <laughs> tell us all about it, we'd be happy to engage over at yeah facebook and instagram at veterinary viewfinder and you can send us an email it'll be between us at veterinary viewfinder at gmail.com guys i love this conversation so much becky thanks again guys for listening we will talk to you next week bye bye bye